When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. I'm going to try really hard not to buy into the hype this year, but uh, I can't see any reason why we shouldn't go 15 0. <laughs> All right, uh, Mac? I uh, just want to let the Redcasters know I was outvoted, and we won't be playing music throughout the entire podcast like I was hoping to do, inspired by Frost. <laughs> With a few m- momentary, like, dead moments, right? And you're like, oh. Uh, and I'm also with Boomer. Well, darn, I was really hoping we were going to try to simulate live podcasting conditions with a dance remix of Starland Vocal Band's Afternoon Delight through the entire podcast. <laughs> Uh, speed, speed, more command. speed. That's what we got to do here in this podcast. We got to go straight through, no breaks, focus going forward. All right, guys. Uh, this is the spring game edition of the Go Big Redcast, uh, one that we've been waiting uh, to do for a while. Uh, guys, I think all three of you were at the game. Is that right? Honky, Correct. Mac, Boomer? Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, you know, Boomer, you're good at, uh, you know, getting the. Uh, kind of the feel of the stadium and everything. What was it like to be there at the spring game with 86,000 of your friends? Uh, it, it was good. I think everyone enjoyed, you know, finally having a chance to, to see some of this in person. You know, we hadn't seen a whole lot, you know, media-wise from the practices since they were, you know, pretty pretty tight with those as far as media coverage went. Uh, it took a little while for everyone to kind of filter in. I mean, it wasn't an immediate 86,000 by any stretch of the imagination. but That is true. Yeah, it, it filled in pretty nicely. You know, most of the people were there. I'm not sure if that was 86,000 sold or scanned or whatever the whole you know <laughs> deal right. is with that, but uh, the crowd was good. I think people were generally interested in it, and it, yeah. it was kind of nice just to have everyone, all of us having a chance to actually focus on football for a while and not arguing about past coaches or who we should hire, this sort of stuff. It was just nice to actually see something, you know, we could all focus on on the field. Getting so that was down to watch. the basics, right? Cutting mm-hmm. uh, away all the other other stuff. Uh, Honky, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Boomer there. I was a little nervous at the beginning. Uh, it didn't look anywhere near full, kind of right at kickoff, but then it just kept trickling in. And I'd say it was by the end of the first quarter was when it actually looked kind of at the most full that it was at the whole time. But weather probably played a little role in that. And we talked about that on last week's show, how uh, Michigan State, you know, they had almost nobody at theirs. And it was probably only 10 degrees cooler than what ours was. Weather, you know, certainly should have been every bit the same, you know, concern. And that's a team that's coming off of 10-plus wins with 19 returning starters. So the fact that we're 4-8 and eight <laughs> coming off of that and, and uh, you know, five months ago we were concerned about just even having a stadium full for an Iowa game, an actual real game, to see what we saw last weekend was awesome. So 86,000 strong. It was fun. Great to see uh, Coach Frost run out the the uh, tunnel for the first time. So I think he enjoyed it too. 
right, and running out to a different song. We may talk a little bit about that later on. Uh, Mac, was it worth the trip back to Nebraska for the spring game? Oh yeah, actually, it absolutely was. I was, it was a great atmosphere. It was, um, it was fun to see the crowd genuinely excited. And you know, not not being in Lincoln for a few years, but going back, I swear I'm seeing more Husker gear just on you know regular people than than when I left. I, I mean, I feel like sure. that's something I've seen a ton of. But the yeah, the game day environment was great. I, I felt like how was the tailgate? Know, the weather could have been horrible, but it actually just it just <laughs> it's cold. Just eleven a.m. starts. Yep, that'll do it. I mean, it was it was actually really pretty decent out for a game, and it was it was super cool just watching Coach Frost uh, kind of walking out there and just absorbing it and kind of having that day while he lets his coaches coach and watches his team and gets to kind of play both sides. It was a that was it was a cool environment. It was a different experience. All right, awesome. Well, we'll see if uh, they have eighty six thousand plus uh, out there again uh, next spring. But uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, break this game down, guys. Uh, starting with the offense with. Scoring explosion. Scoring explosion. The offensive breakdown. All right, guys. Uh, Honky, I'll, I'll let you turn it uh, uh, on this first, and uh, maybe give you a, give us your first impressions of the offense. Uh, was a forty-nine to what was it? Forty-nine to nine? Is that right? Nine. Yeah. Uh, final score. Uh, you know, I watched this uh, s- uh, slightly distracted uh, in a. Uh, a, a semi-work setting, so I couldn't really pay attention to it as much. I've seen more of it since. Um, and and it, it didn't seem quite so lopsided actually watching the game. I felt like there was some some flow back and forth, but ultimately the red I did put up a, a lot of points. Uh, what was your initial take on, on the offensive performance? Uh, I think I was like most people, I was really interested to see the, the tempo. And for the most part, I thought they came out and they they moved around pretty well. Uh, just listening to Coach Frost tonight, actually on uh, Sports Nightly on the radio, he even mentioned how a couple of players said that the game felt a little easier to them than practice because practice was so fast. And of course, we got to see that a week earlier at the coaches' clinic, but it was so fast. And then the game felt a little bit slower to them, just from a pace perspective. So that kind of harkens back to the old era of Osborne, where the practices were harder for a number of reasons and then the game feels a little easier but they got into tempo sometimes and the other interesting thing that Frost was talking about tonight is for as much tempo as they did or as quick as they looked he kept saying it's nowhere near as fast as they want it's nowhere near the point so that's the coach speak in him and I think he's absolutely being 100% honest there it wasn't as fast as he wants but I think just as an overview when I when we think offense from that game I'm I think tempo and we started to see it. All right, good. Uh, Mac, your thoughts? Yeah, just initial out-of-the-gate thoughts on the offense was um, we went into it kind of hoping the line would be able to protect, that they'd move around pretty good out there, the, the wide receivers and running backs would make some plays, but then we all you know, had our eye on the quarterback position too just to see if they fit with what we're doing, but... Um, on that side of things, I thought I thought most of our talent looked like a pretty good fit. I didn't see anybody who couldn't execute the offense, and frankly, some guys surprised me even from the week prior. From what I saw, that that's that's just a, a couple guys jumped out that that really kind of excite me for this offense. 
with the brakes fully pumped, I understand it, but well, let's uh, go there though, Mac. Certain... Uh, let's go there and, and well, uh, let's call out a few of those guys. You know, or just I mean, you know, I'm not saying you have to be perfect here and and get everyone that you 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 uh, thought had a great great game, but a couple of the the top performers from your perspective. You know who really surprised me? Um, that I I just I'm shocking myself for even giving it any consideration. But Wyatt Mazur looked really good out there. He ran that zone read so well, and he is he is unquestionably one of our fastest backs. When he turned the when he turned the corner, man, he was gone, and he was pretty good about slipping in and out of there. I think he can find himself a role on the uh, on the offense. And I thought, really, pretty soon we're going to need to start talking about our tight ends. Because they yeah. have tall mismatches that are getting open and they're catching the ball with regularity. They're being targeted, and, I mean, they're going to be a weapon. And there's, like, three of them that are – I mean, it's just one after the other with it. So, I mean, Raftal's catching the corner. That was a big-time oh, Yeah, play. that was nice. Yeah, um, yeah Honky. I mean, th- there's a lot of places to go with that, huh? What are you thinking? Well, I think Missouri is a really interesting one. If for no other reason, uh, today, if you Redcasters go to our Twitter feed, I – we posted about 23, 24 videos from uh, the game, just different plays. And one of them was Mazur making an incredible cut, what really awesome cut uh, on Breon Dixon. And it was actually a play where I, I gave a lot of credit to both players because Mazur made this awesome cut, cut off it, got about five yards. Dixon, for as bad as he was beaten, we know Dixon's got a lot of athleticism. He was able to, to react and finally come back and shoestring tackle him. So it was great effort by Dixon. But Mazur, I mean, he was he was showing moves. He showed some speed at times. To Max' point, I think he has a role. Um, obviously, the position group that, that everyone wants to talk about is the quarterbacks, rightfully so. And I think each one of them showed some strengths there. Um, I thought the three that are actually eligible to play next year, I thought they looked the best collectively in any kind of order you want. They did different things better than others. And then Bunch seemed to be the one that was kind of the – little bit tweener of running and passing um i'm oversimplifying it but it's basically kind of like hey martinez was the runner and jebbia was the the passer and bunch was a little bit of both if you go through all of those videos i posted today you'll see you'll clearly see times where martinez looked like he could you know he had some passing ability there and you saw times where where jebbia was able to pull it down and, and run too but all in all to max point there i think that we have guys that look like they can be a fit in this offense it's not where they exactly want to be right now, and I think we're going to have a summer conditioning uh, step in this offseason that's really going to make some of these guys, they're going to look different come August. With that quarterback position, too, you know, not to stir any pots or anything like that, <laughs> because at the week before, we saw Martinez, and we saw Jebbia, and we saw Bunch, and, and, and Noah Vedral, and they all seemed pretty neck and neck to me. And they kind of played that well, too, but i got to say, the way Martinez moves his feet and his run instincts are strong i mean easily the strongest and he throws the ball with you know a fair amount of conviction for a high school senior you know he's 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 still coming out there and making plays mm-hmm. so it never looked like it got too big for him his poise back there surprised me so i guess that caught me off guard more than anything i just thought he'd probably look okay but he really looked great you can tell when they're talking about being a quarterback friendly system what they mean mm mm-hmm. mhm well, oh, all the dogs are back. <laughs> well, and Mac, That's you know, right. and Mac, you and I were sitting there together at the at the spring game, and we wanted to not jump on any hype of any one player, but it was kind of hard watching Martinez not to at least say this guy definitely is a fit for what the offense is. There's no doubt about that. 
and it's clear why Frost was was very high on getting him. Um, but the one part where I'll temper it, and this is the same thing I would have said a year ago, and I did say it a year ago after the spring game, was I'll still throw out the green jersey thing, and I totally understand why we're using green jerseys, but it's hard to come to that conclusion. Like I don't want to, I don't want to make a conclusion on the run, on the quarterbacks right now, and Frost has said as much. Because we're talking about, especially off of a spring game, we're talking about green jerseys against vanilla defenses and all that. That That's not where you're going to make that determination. And Frost wants everyone to continue to grow in the offense, learn the offense more, and then come fall when everyone has a better understanding of how it all works, start to really make determinations on who the starter is going to be at that time. So there's a lot that's going to happen between now and August. But at the very least, I will at least I don't want to call it hype, but I'm going to buy into Martinez. At least he is definitely a fit, you can tell, for this offense. I was, I'm was i impressed with Jebbia. I'm, I'm impressed with what Bunch can be, I think, in a backup type of role. But Martinez definitely is a good fit here. Yeah, I think the green jersey can't be uh, understated there. Uh, Martinez definitely looked like the best runner out there. That's not a question. But so hard to tell on some of those those runs. Uh with Jebbia, if if he gets he goes down for five yards or that's fifteen or twenty and um, yeah, it should be interesting to see how that plays out. Also from the pass pass efficiency standpoint, right? Uh, Frost has mentioned a lot that quarterbacks have to be efficient in this offense, and so um, when there's uh, more live bullets out there, will Martinez actually be able to to function uh, throwing the ball high enough? Uh, all right, guys. Uh, other offensive uh, standouts, wideouts that you want to point out, running backs. Uh, running backs, I think, was an interesting kind of battle there. We saw a lot of different looks from the different guys. You mentioned White Missouri, but um, Greg Bell, I, I, Divine, uh, thoughts? Um, I thought the running backs looked pretty good. Uh, Bell looked better to me this week than he did last week, which was nice to see. He kind of showed that other gear. Mm-hmm. You know, the angle we were we were sitting at live, it was kind of hard to tell, but once I got a chance to rewatch it on TV, he, he did really have a burst that, that looked good. Um, they all looked pretty good catching the ball. Um, there's certainly room for guys to come in and make a make a move, though. If, if Maurice Washington or Miles Jones is serious about, you know, getting some play time, I think there's there's – you know, room to be made with that with those guys. There's a lot of improvement that could be. You know, even Frost talked about this tonight with their in, with their conditioning getting better. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the whole, I you know the thing about the wide receivers that I liked is that Stanley Morgan and J D Spielman were not out there, and yeah. I didn't see a lot of balls hitting the ground. Everybody was catching. You know, our backup guys who I kind of wanted to see anyway with Tyjon. Um, and uh, McQuitty, McQuitty, those guys showed yeah. up right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Lindsey Lindsay was starting to get a lot more used in the game. There was actually the option run, the speed option yep. that Martinez scored the touchdown on. The, the pitch man is Lindsey on that play. There was also kind of the fly sweep-esque kind of play, and um, I have the video of that posted today that went to Lindsey that ended up being like a 25-yard run, and we had really good downfield blocking. You should have just blocking. hit the gas on that one. That one killed me. Yeah. Well, we had really good downfield blocking in a number of occasions, and I and highlighted that on several of those plays that, that we have on Twitter. And I think that's something that uh, is kind of a theme. I, I thought the downfield blocking, the receivers blocking, they did a great job for the most part. Um, Bell at running back has a different gear, a special gear, as Coach Frost calls it. Um when I combine what I saw last week with two weeks ago at the clinic, um, Bell 
he was a little bit up and down, but on that last play of the clinic of that scrimmage where we threw the uh, bunch through a touchdown pass to um, to Morgan, what I I wasn't looking at the pass. I was looking at Dedrick Young coming in off a rush, and Bell was able to stand him up in a good pass block. And and so you're starting to see over the course of a couple of weeks there certain players making multiple different types of plays. Azigbo looked really good in pass protection in some of the drills, and then I'm pleased with what I'm seeing from Azigbo from running hard. He made that really athletic catch in the in the game on Saturday. And so they're different style backs, but I think they, they can run this style. But what Coach Frost is going to want from them over the summertime is it's it's conditioning time. This is I think they wanted to build them strength wise in in February and, and March. Get them to a certain base level of strength. And I think they were able to kind of do that. And if some of the guys looked you know thicker so to speak then maybe they they would be in August. That's that's okay at this point. That's where they are at this stage. But the next stage, this summertime, these guys are going to be going through some running and some some uh, conditioning type of uh, you know drills there. The, the conditioning part of strength receivers. and conditioning. Yeah, those wide receivers got lined up in the backfield a few times. You know, you can kind of get an idea what they're going to do with the playmakers, especially mm-hmm. when a JD gets back. You know, and we have that full complement. Man, that could oh, be. Yeah. Or that, you know, that Miles Jones or whatever, Maurice Washington, they're going to put speed on speed on speed, and they'll layer it going back and forth, and then have a quarterback that can kill you. Whew, oh, yeah. And, I'm excited. And I should say, McQuitty, I don't know if we mentioned him, but McQuitty, just individually, that guy, he looks like a guy that's going to be a contributor this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely backing up, backing up Stanley probably, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Running back-wise, did not mention Will Bond. Uh, thoughts on him at all? Mikel, Wilbon, Mac, I'll he let still you start. Looks a little there. heavy to me. I, here's the thing: I like Wilbon's game a little bit, but it looks like he got really big, really fast, and is a little awkward running on it yet. So hmm. he's going to okay. need to shape his body a little bit more this this off season and, and see what he can do about that. But right now, he just seems a little off balance to me. Um, but you know, he's got a lot of potential. And again, all the backs showed really good hands. Even that one option that was. A horrible pitch. I wasn't sure if it was Bunch or Vedral, but Bradley reeled that in yeah. with, with one arm. He didn't get any yards out of it, but we didn't fumble it. Yeah, Will, you know, Will, that was nice too. No, you know the turnovers. I felt like were desperation ones, not like the of the regular variety. For the most part, the ball was well well kept. Mm-hmm. Wilbon had a really nice run, about a twenty yard run off the off the left side. <coughs> Excuse me, and. Um, that was one where he was just – he was assertive. He just went straight to the sideline. He didn't delay and do any – try to make any crazy cuts. He just went off to the sideline, got around uh, – I think it was Guy Thomas and, and ended up hitting for about 20 yards. Had a nice block by Hymas on the left side who got an outside backer and an inside backer blocked on the same play. Again, <laughs> one of the, the videos that we posted on Twitter. Um, so, Wilbon did some, did some decent things there. He had the the one uh, pass protection block that people are going to remember where Hannes ran him over. That's just that's going to happen. He was off. Quite honestly, he was off balance a little bit, and it probably looked a little worse than it was. But um, hey, it stopped the block. Yeah, the quarterback moved. Yeah, and Martinez was athletic and got away from it. You know, got outside the pocket. So you got to give him a little credit there. I think guy gets a full head of steam. You get to stand there and take it. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it's not a great position to be in and look cool. Yeah, it's going to hurt. <laughs> But Mac, you mentioned Bradley, and I think that's a good one too. Bradley, Bradley brings a lot to the table, and he's not going to get talked about a lot yet. But don't sleep on that guy. He is a guy that he brings the speed, agility. 
He has a lot of some strength. He brings a lot of different things to the table there, and I really am looking forward to seeing uh, his development in this system. Yeah. I think he's a he's a yeah, really he's good another fit. one that have a big summer. If he has a big summer, his role could really, and he's going to need to because they're like like uh, Duvall said, you know, their job is to recruit better guys than you are right now, mm-hmm. and and they've got Maurice Washington and Jones coming in. This offseason is vitally important to him. Mm-hmm. And and Dave, it, what scoring explosion would it be if I didn't bring up at some point a run pass ratio? And <laughs> that's true for for the. For the spring game this year, 74 runs to 64 passes. When you compare that to a year ago, 37 runs to 98 passes. Um, this is an offense that I think is going to look a lot more familiar and, and be a lot happier for Husker fans to see. It's not I formation under center, and we've said that all along, but there was options. In fact, I thought Jebby overhand a couple really nice options uh, he ran one to the left. It didn't go far, but he made the pitch at the right time with his left hand. I mean, there's for a right-handed QB, he you know the timing was good. So, I mean, I was seeing some things that I liked. It it didn't always look great, the end result, but it's steps, it's progress. So, I was I was pleased. Was anybody surprised uh, Noah Vedral's performance at all? Uh, you mentioned the other three quickly there, Honk, but. I mean, compared to what you saw maybe in in practice to then what, what he showed up in the spring game? Yeah, I, I think the spring game, it was just, it's tough because some of the settings that they had the teams in where, you know, obviously Vedro was going up against the number one defense right. with the number sure. one, number two offense. That's a big difference. He's more like number four almost offense for him. Yeah, and so I, I don't want to jump to too many conclusions there. It's just yeah, you're going to look at that game, and, and he's not going to shine in it for a couple of reasons. And he didn't make a great throw there that got picked off by by Alex Davis. But, um, but I mean, I still I, – I think he has a bright future here, and I think he's also a kid that he's still trying to get um, uh, some type of a waiver from the NCAA next year. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I sure would take yeah. him next year if we can get him. That's without a doubt. I would I definitely would want him in the room being eligible if we could possibly get him. Sure, sure. Tell you what, uh, let me bring Boomer in here for just a, a second. I was I was thinking about uh, you know the the spring game this afternoon, and was thinking about other spring games out there, and it made me think of UCLA with Chip Kelly. So I did a little little quick research, and uh, sounds like they had a, a little bit more of a challenging spring there in Westwood, where uh, they had a lot of injuries and they didn't have a little bit full roster. And uh, I was reading some of the spring practice notes, and you know, they're they're like practice nine was finally the first time we saw the fun in the offense because the first eight practices was just a bunch of uh, screen plays, you know, and they only played essentially half a game for their spring game. It was very toned down, um, very vanilla. Sounds like. Um, uh, what does it say to you? I guess maybe from this the, from the coaching staff that they've. Achieved so much so fast. I feels like in implementing their offense compared to maybe some other you know, coaches that are their first year in their their respective schools. Well, I think it stems from a couple things. My my first guess would be it's simply the fact you've basically got Scott Frost's entire staff from UCF, so you have a bunch of continuity. All these guys know how to work together. They have worked together. They all know what to expect out of each other. How they're going to run practices and all that. So I think that just helps that culture transition just take off that much quicker. 
So that's a big help. I mean, I'm not sure who all Chip Kelly brought with him, but it's obviously not, you know, the staff yeah. that he used to know, things like that. Yeah. And you heard, yep. like, Tennessee, like, Pruitt was, like, yeah. he called out the, yeah, he called the out players and, and the fans. And, yeah. I mean, it was just, like, yeah, weird, so you know? Tennessee, things are going well, so that dumpster fire continues. <laughs> so uh, thanks, Tennessee, for plenty of good off-season entertainment. So I always appreciate that. And plus, that's you know, awesome. I think there's also some advantage to, you know, for Scott Frost being visible these last few years. You know, he... You know, he did show success at UCF, and, you know, a lot of the kids playing now, I mean, how much did they ever see Chip Kelly really play in college or, you know, have a college career? What a lot of them probably know is, you know, Chip Kelly, the NFL failure or something to that effect. You know, that's been five years. kind of, you know, there's probably some of that, too. I mean, you've got immediate success with Frost, so it's probably a little easier to buy into that. So that, that would be my just, you know, on-the-surface guess, I think, why they can succeed a lot faster, or seem to be anyway. Sure, sure. All right, then. Let's, uh, let's head right into defense. Let's. Throw the bones. Throw the bones. The defensive breakdown. Our defensive breakdown of the spring game. Uh, is there any uh, shining stars out there uh, from the first team defense, uh, Honky, Mac, that uh, you wanted to uh, bring out uh, attention to immediately? I'll throw out uh, Deshaun Neal right away. I thought that guy really. I'm not hearing anything. Oh, I might have been on mute there. I'm sorry. Ah, gonna... that's why I wasn't hearing anything. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, my internet connection. But no, it was Honky's. Ah, uh, yes. Live Excellent. podcast, right? So um, I was going to throw out Deshaun Neal. I thought uh, on the D-line, yeah. he was a guy that uh, had a couple of sacks, which, again, we're talking about no contact sacks. But um, he had a great swim move on Foster to get one of the sacks early in the game. It was a really nice move. And just in general, he looks more active physically. He's up to 290. He looked really good. Um, I'm going to go one level back and go into linebackers. And the guy that I'm going to talk about, and Mac, I'm probably still in your thunder here, but obviously Barry, he's a guy that um, yeah, he, looked he good. just he looks good. He hits. And the guy, we didn't talk about him last week really, but, but I think we would have or should have is in the secondary, Dismuke is a guy that he's not yeah. getting talked about a yeah. lot right now. And he's all over the place and he, he flies around, he hits. And I realized there was even a play where uh, Jebbia uh, did a, like a zone read and he was supposed to hand it off, but it blew up in the middle. So then he pulled it and ran around. He got around this mute. It was like kind of one play where Mario Verduzco, um, uh broke it down with land of 10 and kind of broke it down and said, Jebbia shouldn't have done this, but he got around the, the safety. And so right. that's, that's why it worked. Okay, that was Dismuke, and that maybe that's one play where he, he wasn't at his best there, but I've seen enough other plays with Dismuke where he is all over the field. He's making hits, He's and the guy's just active. I think he's a guy that's going to be a player this year. Good call, yeah. That's uh, a good call. Mac, any uh, names that uh, come to your mind? Uh, yeah, you know, on the defensive line uh, – I think the Davis boys played just fine, but I thought it was nice to see Peyton Newell getting some significant playtime out there. It looks like he's, you know, maybe having a resurgence. Maybe that's the wrong word, just a surgence, I guess. This is his last chance, his right? Yeah. Um, on the second, you know, the linebacking core, I totally agree, Honky. I thought uh, I thought Barry looks like he's kind of like the real deal, could be emerging as that position of leadership, that guy. Ferguson looked explosive. Um and, you know, I, I've got a chance to rewatch it, and I, I paid special attention to Honus just for this last game. And I, when the guy makes his read and he goes full speed, 
He closes quick, and the ball carrier stopped moving forward. He never missed a tackle he was in position for. So that guy, it, it's just a matter of a switch going on. But when that switch goes on, count on him playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you feel like he's wise, still missing some assignments, though? Uh, you know, it's just, you know, the paralysis by analysis kind of stuff, yeah. you know. And as he sees more of it, and I'm sure our offense has been very, very hard to even, you know, slow that kind of spinning down. They're constantly running tempo. They're constantly spreading them out. So, like, once we actually place a normal teams, I imagine he'll get there a lot quicker. So that's that's another advantage to it. Um, in terms of the secondary, um, I wouldn't say anybody jumped out to me. Just Muke did. Uh, honk, I definitely think that guy was around everybody and also making good tackles. Um, you know, it, it was, those are kind of weird because he goes from live to full contact, and I felt like the players sometimes didn't know how to take angles. You know, and, and particularly the secondary guys when, when Martinez would break contain. I'm like, well, would they have lit him up there? Did they not yeah, take a good angle because yeah. they could just have to touch those him? Those green so. jerseys make a difference, right? I don't <laughs> right, know if so some, was... that, that touchdown run he had, right? I, I don't know if he would have got in there if they were actually going after him. Yeah, um, I will. I will say Lamar Jackson came up and laid wood a couple times. Um, that had to make you happy. And, and, yeah, and he got a pick that was a gift, but he caught it. So got, you know, <laughs> did, take it. Did you hear the? I think it was Shenander right away. Kind of went after him and said, "Hey, you know, nice catch. Don't ever run it inside again." Because like he caught the caught the interception, then he went inside instead of out to the uh, to the sideline, which is where Shenander would want it. And it it reminded me of a major league where. Where he caught the ball and it's like, you know, nice catch, Maze. Don't ever do it again. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a Shenander's uh, thing there. But Jackson, great tackle on a screen pass, and uh, where he went down, tackled at the legs, and I'll tell you what, we didn't see that the last two years. It's it's progress. I think in general on defense, the things I talk about is it's progress. What we're seeing. Um, One more I forgot about was Alex Davis. Mm-hmm. He played really, really well. And I, I focused on him for a few plays, too. Obviously, he got that pick, which was another ill-advised pass, but he caught it. Mm-hmm. And it was I would say it was a better pick than, than Jackson's. But there was a couple really good effort plays he made uh, tackling guys right before they are about to break free. I think he caught Bell one time when he was about to bust it. I mean, he's he looks the part. I mean, yeah. him, and, him and Guy Thomas look like... Big time defense or outside linebacker, so it was nice to see him getting out there and making some plays. I, I was going to mention Alex Davis there because he it's it's about progress right now. He looks better in space with his hand off the ground than he did all of last year. That's progress. Conversely, you have a guy like Ben Stilley who now has his hand in the turf on the ground, and he's about twenty five pounds bigger, and he he has made progress. He looks like a DN. Knock down a couple of passes, and we, in fact, we had a number of guys knocking down passes on the D line. That's progress. I think at the outside linebacker spot, where we had some depth concerns coming into this off season, to Max' point there, I mean, you've got Davis, and we'll have Gifford coming back, and uh, I think Breon Dixon. We'll see what his eligibility is, but he's a guy that 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 I was, was waiting for you to mention that name. Active, I he looked good all over the place. You know, Guy Thomas didn't necessarily make the big plays here, but he definitely looks the part right now. We'll see how he continues to develop. That position's starting to kind of come into its own, and when you throw in a Caleb Tanner, you know, come fall, we'll just see where he fits in. But but that position doesn't necessarily look as dire as it did at one point. I think the position that a lot of people have been talking about as, as a level of concern is corner, 
and this is where it's important to see what happens with Lee and, and Jackson and, and uh, Boodle, how they develop. Obviously, we have guys like Ethan Cox, who's a new kid that's been starting to play, but we'll probably want to get some of these, these new guys coming in, these freshmen, and they, they'll probably fill into the role somewhere. But at the same time, I just got to say, if we, can get, if we can get Lee and Jackson alone playing at a high level, I mean, these are two guys that were the, you know, individually the highest recruit in their respective uh, classes coming in here. Uh, re- respective recruiting class. I mean, my goodness, if we can just get some, the, if we can get those two playing at at top uh, performance, I think uh, that that position can start to get pretty solid here soon. Good points. Good points. Um, Boomer, let's bring you in uh, for special teams really quick. Uh, anything in? Uh, obviously, a little tough to yeah. judge spring game wise, but uh, but there's a few few uh, mistakes too Anything yeah in particular? it was i think they all kind of had a rough day i mean you got Fromm coming out and shanking his very first kick the extra point missed that that not a great look um you know of all the kickers you know pickering certainly looked the better of the two uh both of them i mean he was at least making extra points granted he had way more opportunities to actually try to make one so <laughs> that's a good point that good certainly point. helped uh although he uh you know they'd give him a shot at a 27 yard field goal i think it was at the end of the game too and he he kind of missed that as well so they need some work. I did see Frost, I think, said earlier today that they're both kicking better in practice than they actually did in the spring game. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. So, I, you know, yeah, if you had to way, put money on it, yeah, Pickering's yeah, probably going to be your starting kicker. Any thoughts on that from yeah. from watching uh, the coaches' clinic practice? on, or They just have a bad day there in, in, in the Frost, spring game? Frost did mention uh, the last field goal boomer that you were talking about. He mentioned it tonight on the on the radio about how I think it was a third down and they kind of just wanted to get one more opportunity. Right. And so they, they bring him out there and it sounds like it was just a hot mess from the beginning, everything from the snap and the hold. And it was just, it was, yeah. it was messy. That's the stuff you got to work out. Sometimes you'll have yeah. those last minute field goals yeah. and half the time you need them sometimes. So it's, you know, they got time to work it out, but yeah, they mm-hmm. definitely need work. And yeah, we didn't, I mean, didn't yeah, see you much punting. A hot mess yeah. actually in a game. So yeah, didn't see a lot of punting, but you know, they had a few. Lightborn did have what I think one kick, and it was fifty plus yards. So he's mm-hmm. definitely improved over the last few years. So, and again, like I said, it's spring game conditions. Nobody's. If there's know, anything I feel good about Caleb yeah. Lightborn being our starting punter next year. I, I yeah. feel like yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's better. <laughs> but ideally, we'll never have to punt, so it'll be a moot point. So. <laughs> And That's Dave, right. you, right. Dave, you act kind of you asked kind of like collectively over the last two weeks. Was there anything that we saw from the kickers? And I think Lightborn just across the board, he was doing some kickoffs. And gosh, I think he's tried some field goals and stuff. He's a guy that uh, we may have to lean on at times if if some of the other guys aren't uh, you know performing as well. Whatever, we'll we'll figure that out as it gets into the into the fall camp. But but Lightborn, I mean, he was booming kickoffs. A week ago, and I think Mac, you were saying it with his punts last week. I mean, it was hitting the hitting the roof. So, um, you know, they've got some bodies to to work with at least, and and figure it out. Scarlet colored glasses. All right. Next on the Go Big Redcast is scarlet colored glasses, where we get to talk all things Husker football. Uh, and you know, we'll be doing a bit more of this uh, as we go forward, as spring balls wrapped up. We've got a lot of uh, time before uh, fall camp, and that's when uh, random articles are written and uh, storylines are generated out of thin air. Uh, had some great stuff, though, actually, at right on the tail end of the spring game here. National media writers like Dennis Dodd and Paul Meyerberg, Bruce Feldman uh, were all in town interviewing Scott Frost, 
kind of give him a lot of the background of you know, what what makes him tick and uh, really uh, complimentary uh, uh, articles about Frost and the Nebraska program. Um, guys, uh, you know, what are you uh, looking forward to as we go forward here in the next uh, couple of months on random uh, news articles to pay attention to? I, speaking of that, Bill Moose, our, was making news just yesterday, press club, you know, getting uh, some some folks all riled up by, by talking about Frost and uh, getting uh, Harbaugh and Meyer uh, a little bit excited. What do you think about that? Honky? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think I can't, I can't believe that Husker nation might get a little over overblown about, uh, something that that could never happen. Right guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it doesn't take much. And yeah, so he made some statements at some Omaha sports club thing, talking at a luncheon. And what do he say that, uh, that Meyer and Harbaugh would be running scared and no, it would be, I think R, I think it was no, no future tense here at all. I think it was yeah, present tense. You know, yeah. right. to be, I mean, just from a, a pure football stand, standpoint, I'm not totally concerned about going to Ann Arbor, but Dave, you and I went to Columbus two years ago and then, uh, I don't know which one of you guys, if you guys, and if you went to Ohio State last year at home, I, I did. So I've gone to 120 minutes of paid football, and I haven't seen us be competitive for one minute of that. So I'm not sure that <laughs> Urban Meyer point. is rubbing, running scared yet, but I like the confidence. And, you know, I think uh, Bob Devaney once said, if uh, if you don't believe in yourself, ain't no one gonna. So uh, I, we're believing in ourselves. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Mac, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I like the bravado and everything like that. He probably felt like he was with more buddies than he was. Um, but whatever. I'm 100% sure that Urban Meyer is not running scared. Um, and I have a vague doubt that Jim Harbaugh has even heard the comment or would really understand it. He's just kind of out there. He's got his own problems this year. He's worried. He's waiting for papers from the NCAA to get a transfer. I think the, That's his big concern. Is Michigan going to France this year? Is that right? Probably. Why not? They oh, had Lord. some frequent flyer miles from Italy last year, so why not go to France this <laughs> That's year? True. That's true. Good not? point. So, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. they are going to France. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought a couple of the articles were really interesting on Scott Frost. I want to say it was uh, the Meyerberg article was breaking down Frost's interest in poetry, memorizing uh, Robert Frost and Longfellow, uh, just kind of highlighting uh, how his mind works, uh, how he's obsessed with a website, Sporacle or something like that, which uh, has a bunch of trivia on it. I've already been on it uh, I bet Devaney it's memorized a lot of limericks. That's true. He probably did. Lots of good <laughs> drinking songs, I would imagine, is Bob's uh, uh, forte. Um, yeah, I mean, those are the, the, the things that we're probably going to get a lot of over the next uh, four months. Uh, Hockey, any other uh, thoughts on, on what uh, news out there at Husker Nation? I'm not sure what other songs that uh, that uh, maybe Devaney would have known, but how about Serious? Is that a song that, that oh, he would have listened yeah, to? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. I Is that a good enough segue? Nice. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. nice work. That's nice work. Uh, so the Alan Parsons Project was not the uh, music of choice for the Tunnel Walk uh, for the first time in, since 94, I presume. 
And sure. it was just for the spring game. It was a uh, version of Come Together by the Beatles. Uh, uh, kind of symbolic, considering Frost is bringing Husker Nation together. Don't know if that actually has legs to continue on as a walk-in song. Um, but uh, it seems to be a hot debate on whether Sirius, uh, which was a Chicago Bulls intro music that the Huskers borrowed, same time period, and I don't believe the Bulls even use it any longer, uh, but maybe it's a tradition that needs to stay. Some people feel like it needs to go, and something else uh, more fresh uh, needs to come in line. I, I think that's intriguing in the sense that you have folks saying, like, oh, you know, the players are just going to choose a, a rap song that a lot of the fans may not know. Uh, other folks are saying, we should play Thunderstruck by ACDC. How is that any more contemporary than serious? <laughs> I have no idea, people. Uh, Hockey, I think you had a Twitter poll on this. Is that right? I probably did. I don't know. It <laughs> feels like you no. did. I don't uh, have it in front of me. I, maybe I'll, you should have one. Let's have I, one. Then. I, I probably that. should. I'll, I'll give you my belief on this. Is I think you can play anything you want leading up to the actual walkout. I, in the past, they, they'll they have like a minute or two minutes of video that kind of it, – it's not serious. It's something that's just random things going on, and I think that come together could be that type of music. And then – once they get done with that, then it kind of like leads right into Sirius, and then you see the the team live on the screen walking through the the tunnel. I don't see this being any different than what we've done in previous years. Um, I'd like to see Sirius continue to be the actual tunnel walk part of it, but I think you could do a number of songs from from week to week. You could do different themes from week to week that lead up to Sirius. It's all part of the, kind of the whole tunnel walk experience. So there's kind of that pre-song that starts to get the people going you're looking at the screen there's stuff going on there's they're showing videos of different plays and maybe previous week plays but then by the time they get back into the locker room and the guys are finishing up their their prayer thing that's when they they come out on serious that's i'd like to continue to see that i guess that's my two cents well let's I mean, take that, a unofficial fair. redcast poll here a mac um i i gotta tell you i'm not i'm i'm, I'm not huge on one way or the other it would be cool i think for his first year though to go ahead and use serious i think people will get a charge out of that have a good year or two and then change it after that i just don't see it as being something that necessarily needs to be changed year one there's so many other changes going on but you know like i said i i i'm pretty borderline middle on this one boomer uh, you know, I'm kind of the contrarian, taking the other approach. Surprise, surprise. But I've never really cared for Sirius as a song. To me, you know, in the 90s, it just always kind of felt we were just jumping on the Bulls bandwagon, piggybacking off of that. And, and like you said, that's even gone away. I don't, I'm don't. I'm not even sure the Bulls use it anymore. And it's yeah, it kind of got crusty and stale over the last few years. We try to do lame little, you know, animations with players jumping out of planes and things like that. It It just kind of got old. And I, I don't see the need to keep that. It's, you know, time to move forward. Not everything has to be from the 90s here. I know we were good then, but, you know, we don't see us going back and recreating the Ewald Jumbo steam tunnel walks using a Victor Records recording of Al Jolson's <laughs> The Spaniard Who Blighted My Life. I mean, we could go back and try something like that. I don't know. But, you know, I don't see anything wrong with refreshing it, you know, getting something different. You know, let's, let's, be, a be, little, yeah. let's mm-hmm. be a little fair, though. I think that that song 
regardless of what the Bulls are doing or not doing with it anymore, that, that song has become synonymous with Nebraska football and, and the Tunnel Walk. It's, I think nationally people look at the Tunnel Walk as a tradition similar to, um, you know, Vatek coming out to enter Sandman or some what some of the other schools that think, have a, a, a very traditional kind of walkout. That, I, I yeah, think that would be something I, I'd like to know. Do other, like, random college football fans that aren't Nebraska fans know what song we come out to? I, I'm yeah, just curious. I have question. no idea. I mean, is yeah. that just something I'm that we recognize, tr- yeah. or is it what I'm could we play any song tr- in the Tunnel Walk would you know still be a tradition that looks impressive? I mean, that's just an honest question. I have no idea. I just wonder what other what other fan bases would think if they even know what song we come out yeah. to. That would be outside of know. Virginia Tech with Inner Salmon. I I can't say I know too many other walkout songs. Mm-hmm. You know, I know like yeah. Miami comes out with a lot of smoke. Uh, that's a, but I don't. Uh, I think USC probably comes out to their 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 fight. Yeah, song really. I mean, yeah. unless, you're, unless you're at the turtle, game, how often do you ever see them? I mean, they don't really show it on TV. I mean, most fans probably never. Well, have any the idea funny what thing is, Nebraska yeah. they do show it on TV. Yeah, so, no, so yeah, when, yeah. when you do watch a Husker TNN game, you'll, a lot of times you'll see the guys coming out of the tunnel and that and that that music is playing. So I do think, I don't think it's just as simple as like comparing it to just what some other random school comes out to. I it's. I, I, it's never grown old on me. I've always liked, I've always liked that song for them to walk out of. But I think that there's a lead up that does change from game to game, and it's usually a, it's becoming more of a two and three minute long kind of thing now. You know uh, that that lead up to the actual walk out. So that's where I think you can do come together one week, and the next week it could be something else, and the next week it could be something else. There's a lot of flexibility, but once they actually get to showing the team, the team is actually walking out of the out of the locker room and, you know, touching the horseshoe. I just, my own personal preference, I'd like to just see it keep being serious. It's never been something that's grown old to me. I have a bunch of random questions here that don't have any real sequence, so I apologize. But uh, when we were, like, when you were kids or in college, et cetera, when did you know the horseshoe tradition of touching the horseshoe? good question i don't know when i'd ever noticed it i'm sure it had to be at a they had to show it at some game you know pre-game did they i'm just it trying to think prior to tunnel walk for me. things what did they show like if Matt, you went to a game in 88 would... anyone remember what they would have showed or anything like that i mean they didn't show show anything yeah that's no. what i'm saying i wouldn't until have known video. about it until the tunnel walk really right until i saw the video of the yeah. tunnel walk i didn't know about it and the, the horseshoe tradition dates back way farther than that but i just right. don't know if I, I when i was a kid i didn't know about the horseshoe yeah, I yeah. didn't either. It was 94 was the first year of, of Husker Vision. I was at the, oh, my gosh, UCLA game that year, which I don't know if that was our first home. No, no, I was at the Wyoming game. And I think that that might have been the first home game of the year. So that might have been the first time that we ever had the, the big screens up for a game. And the big screens with uh, Memorial Stadium being the first college-only facility having big screens in it, that, that was something that was right. unique to Nebraska – it created something, it created a tradition that really wasn't there before but has always been there. I mean, everybody walks out of a tunnel. There's nothing unique about that, but Nebraska's tunnel walk was unique because we were the first one to just show it. And by showing it, sure. for instance, another thing is, did we always have fans standing underneath the, at that time it would have been the South Stadium, have fans always stood out there and, and clap people's, you know, clap the players' hands as they walked out? I don't know if they did that back in the 80s. But now we see it, and now it's a tradition that people go under there and do that too. 
Yeah. I know I want to do it. I still have never done that. I still have never watched the players walk out of the tunnel. I, I, I don't know why. Yeah. Have you guys right. ever stood in line when they walked out of the tunnel? No. I have not. Can't say I have. No. Mm-mm. No. You guys call yourself Husker fans? Well, I'm not on that side of the stadium. <laughs> I'm, I'm, in the, yeah, I'm trying to get to the side of the stadium. I mean, it was hard to get to it from the other sides. You know, you now, now, it's easy to, now it's easy to go from side to side. And now it can be done. So. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The next game I go to, I'm going to miss kickoff because I'm going to be down there for the tunnel walk. Nice. I like it. Plus, I'll use my kid for, like, you know, weird leverage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> child. Oops, he got through the line. Oh, high five, Frost. Cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't, I don't Well, um, The other question I had was, and Boomer, maybe you can look this up real quick, Inner Sandman for Virginia Tech, how long have they been doing that? I mean, that song came out in the early 90s. Have they been doing that since the mid-90s, or is that something more recent? Another good question. Yeah, I think it was on Frank Beamer's uh, you know, It was a Jim Drunken Miller pop hit list. He, <laughs> that was right, when he used to do all his deadlifting. He played a lot of Metallica. You remember what a, totally. remember what a deadlifter that guy was? He was, like, lifting with the linemen. I remember a video of that from the lost Orange Bowl of 96 that nobody Miller. ever talks about. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right. Hmm. Um, Since 2000, Tommy, Dave. Yeah. Since 2000. Yes. So, I mean, that's six years shorter than us. In uh, hockey, uh, my third random question, Nebraska was the first college-only venue with big screens. Mm-hmm. What were the next couple after that? Uh, and did I mean, then obvious follow-up question is, did they start doing some similar tunnel walk type thing? You know. Oh, that's an outstanding question. I don't know. Gosh, you know that's a, that's a strange question because it, it didn't take long. It would have been only a you know a few years by the late nineties. Most stadiums by that point right. started to have. Seemed like a Texas big got after it pretty quick. What I'm not sure about is Husker Vision in and of itself was very uh, transformative. I mean that um, uh, Jeff Small obviously was one of the the, yep, the guys that, that was a key first you know cog in that, and then when he left. To go to A and M, which was already by the late the early two thousands when he left there with Burn, they kind of so think about that in the early two thousands he leaves to go to A and M, a big school like A and M, and really starts up Aggie Vision to some extent. I mean, I'm sure they had something prior to that. I'm sure they had some big screen, but it wasn't until he got there that they really had the the production value and started the production value that they you know now use as well. So that's something that Husker Vision that's back wasn't when the whole program was innovative. Yeah, not just yeah. the football program. Yeah, like Husker Vision wasn't Husker Vision wasn't just big screens. Nutrition. It, it, the Husker Vision was you know Mac and I used to you know buy the VHS tapes and watch four straight Big Eight and and unfinished <laughs> business and every year you know it was like well I'm Reflection just going to go down the store I'm going to go down the store and buy the new championship video I'm so tired of these blah blah you know we'll <laughs> no, just keep winning these forever. <laughs> what are they going to name it after five in a row? That'll be ridiculous. <laughs> Six straight big eight? How? What are you, probably ten in, oh man, it's going to be so hard when it comes to ten. Little did we know, that would never yep. be a problem. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. good stuff. Um, all right, other random topics. Honky, you did do a Twitter poll of some sort this week. Uh, what was going on there? Well, I, it wasn't a Twitter poll, but it was just a random Dang question. It. You didn't and do a Twitter poll? It wasn't an actual poll, but it was just a random question about... Uh, alternative uh, uniforms and this is because uh, Mac and I sat in the North Stadium for the spring game and they had like a little 
oh, a little window display of like five or six helmets. And there are all the alternative uniform wearing helmets that we had, you know, for those games. And every one of them has a, an in on it. And it looks just like a normal helmet, except, or the in looks like the normal in. It's just there's some slight change or the helmet's a little different. And my whole question was, I am, I am well known for saying I don't like the alternative uniforms. I wish we'd never wear them, okay? So there, that's said. Old fogey honky. Old fogey. I'm the, the old curmudgeon, right? But having said that, I'll throw out the question. As that guy who can't stand alternative uniforms, if we're going to wear it once a year, why not take the end off? Why don't actually just do something crazy? Don't stop trying to appease people like me by putting an in on a helmet that doesn't look like the helmet I, I want to watch anyway. I stopped trying yeah, to go, appease you right. years ago, Honky. So then. Yeah, go, go and do something crazy, right? And the response from people who were like, don't you touch that in. That in has to be on the helmet every time. I'm like, well, the, we're, I don't think you understand what an alt uniform is supposed to be. <laughs> Alternative. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I guess I, I'm just saying, again, and let me preface this. I hate alternative uniforms. I wish we would never do them. But if you're going to do them, throw a piece of corn on the helmet or throw, just do something Ugh. crazy. But, like, that was not the response that we were getting. So I'm curious. And Redcasters, feel free to tweet at us. And, guys, have a little discussion here. Boomer, you always like to talk Last about this kind of stuff. Last year was what? such a missed opportunity when we did the 97 throwbacks that we didn't actually go full mesh. Yeah, I mean, to me, that is the that's the final frontier of of throwback. You've got to go mesh. You can't do this fake looks like mesh print. It's ridiculous. It's it's embarrassing. Is there some rule well, that you can't have a mesh jersey nowadays? That's... Mike, I'm starting to wonder about that. Yeah. Somehow that somehow Nike has made mesh illegal. Yeah, like, oh, I you can't have if mesh. That's the case I have no well, idea. You don't have. Well, they don't want to market wear. it. Obviously, I mean, it's all a marketing thing for these Adidas and Nike and, and Under Armour. So they threw they away all those old sewing machines. These are all printed mesh, on. So what's the point, right? You know, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, there's um, a wide variety of helmets we can even draw on from the past. We, you know, what was it? We had well, and, and you really for a time point. was on a helmet for at least a year. I know and back in the fifties, our, our helmets were red. We actually looked like uh, Alabama. Yeah. They had the you know just a red helmet with numbers on them. I mean, if people want the past, you can always have that. So. I mean, the yeah, for, NU, the NU was as late as the late 1960s. 60s, yeah, and I think, to, I think they changed And if I remember like, correctly, they started just switching to the N because they ran out of U decals to put on helmets. Yeah. So they just kind of, oh, well, all right, let's go with N for now. So, yeah. Yeah, so they started with the NU. Yeah. They didn't start with N. And the NU, wasn't that like the 100th year anniversary of the state or something? Wasn't yeah, it like, yeah, 18, or 1967. Yeah, 1867. Yeah. Yep, correct. Yeah. Yep. So see, well, then they had the hundredth year of college football, which was was sixty nine. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Let's so, just move forward. Let's let's just abol- Let's just go ahead and Oregon it up, and have alternate uniforms. <laughs> every every time. game. I, I hate you, Mac. I, hate <laughs> I, you. I am. I have found myself caring so little about what we wear, as long as we are scoring points and winning games. I don't care. I think that's a really good point, Mac. And of all of these topics, uh, Husker Nation is is so wound up tight about all this stuff these days. And it's like if we actually started winning, it would all be forgotten, right? One way or the other, no one would care nearly as much about all of this stuff if we go and start actually winning championships again. Uh, certainly tradition possible. is important. I, it, just to say, certainly tradition is important to Husker football fans because it harkens back to when we were really relative. But at the same time, 
it's also what made us hunger for a guy and eventually get a guy like Frost. You know, if we didn't have these, you know, these traditions and this way we carried ourselves and how we felt our program should be, we'd just be Kansas, you know. It would, it would you know, we'd just allow this mediocrity to go for a long time. So traditions, yes, important, but at the end of the day, things are always changing. Let's not act like we've always worn these uniforms and they'll always be the same. Well, they'll change, and they change a little bit just by nature. They change when you switch from, you know, uh, God, what were we, Converse and Avia or whatever that Apex. Word, Apex, Apex in the early Riddell. 90s and switching to D. So, I mean, you're going to have slight changes. The 1983 jerseys were different, but but the red the red in on the white helmet, just the red and white in general, not doing alt uniforms for every day. I mean, we have we have an iconic brand, and let's not kid ourselves. It's possible to do both. It's possible to have an iconic brand and keep that brand and not change it up and and do stuff crazy, and also play good football, too. I think that's one part of it. And when you go back to, like, 2002, the year that we did the, the all-whites, and we went 7-7, seven and seven, that there was a real kickback that came back at Solich where it felt like he kind of let the players run the show a little bit. That The players said they wanted to wear, at that time, what was that new uniform all the pro teams were doing it, where you had the stripe on the side. Right. And, the real, and the reality was, fair or not, they went 7-7, seven and seven and kind of the response was, Okay, players, stop worrying about what you're wearing. Why don't we play better? That was that was the response that came back at that time. So the point is, win football games, and you could probably wear whatever you want. But I think it's possible to to win football games and also maintain this iconic brand that we have. And we have a brand that's unique to us, like Penn State's is to them, Alabama's is to them, USC's is to them. Everyone can talk about Oregon and Baylor all they want, but there's plenty of iconic, traditional brands that are winning a lot of football games right now. And Nebraska is one of them. We just aren't winning the games until, of course. Yeah. What's the other now. the other irritating factor is how much Wisconsin looks like us. You know, like it takes an iconic sure. brand and they just kind of stole it and then got better than us, and it's embarrassing. With a cartoon you know? W. Yeah, it's like yeah. ugh. Really like to take that back. Yeah, I mean, it's we. Well, we we have our we, can do we have our brand. We just got to get we got to get going football. But there's no, that doesn't mean that we need to change the things that were non football related. So I'm on the record the for related, weekly alternate right. uniforms, <laughs> changing Sirius to probably something from Justin Bieber, something contemporary, something mm-hmm. I think I could snap my fingers to. And then uh, what was the other thing? Uh, we're gonna put a dome over Memorial Stadium. Oh, okay. that's, that's all. It. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, Mac, I would buy mesh. So there. <laughs> I would take mesh. I like mesh. I'm pro mesh. It does breathe. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> All right, guys. Nothing rips else? a fingernail um, off better than a mesh jersey. Scarlet colored glasses. Anything else pressing issues here that we need to discuss tonight? I think we've gone off the rails, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to at least get us back on track. At here. least there's Husker baseball. We can get us back into. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they did not do what they're supposed to do. We're not even going to go into that because it's just yeah. too. Too. Disgusting. Well, do we play Rutgers still? No, <laughs> no. I don't know if we ever that started playing hope. Rutgers. To be honest with you, so. McGuire, yeah. you remember the things you talked about? You asked what they needed to do to finish the season. Yes. They're not doing that. So let's just, yes. let's just I have that. taken the opposite, actually. I, I have got the feeling, the impression that the baseball season is dying a slow death. That was my impression. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah we're, we're not even doing a full Around the Van Horn section or segment here, but 
uh, for what it's worth, Moose has in the last week. He's given you know kind of his support to uh, Terstad, and I I think all of us agree with that. I don't think anyone's calling for anyone's head right now, but certainly right. there's going to be some pressure this off season, and, and there needs to be improvement next year. With well, he did say Terstad has uh, the Wisconsin Badgers baseball team, you know, nervous. So we've got that going. You know, yeah. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. <laughs> They're they're rolling in their graves practically. They're so nervous. Um, all right, guys. So let's uh, let's wrap this up with some uh, parting shots. Uh, hockey. I'm sure you're good for at least one. Oh, I I probably have a couple. Yeah. Um, one of them. Uh, I, it's a follow up. It's a correction to last uh, week's show. I talked about uh, how there are youth camps that the coaches are going to do maybe a coaches clinic with this summer. And last last week I said that it's on the second and the ninth of the month, which is true. But of course, I did not mention the month, and that would be helpful. So, any youth coaches out there that are wanting to go to the Nebraska coaches clinic uh, that they're going to do for them, it's uh, either going to be June second or June ninth. They still haven't announced it, but it's in June. So we will give more information as we know. Uh, my second parting shot is uh, Boomer continues to want to induct the Baron into the uh, Hall of Fame. Nebraska Hall of Fame, and, and I guess I'm at a point now, especially with all this serious stuff that's just bothering me, I want to induct uh, the Alan Parsons Project into the Nebraska Hall of Fame. <laughs> so that's going to be my new hashtag, uh, induct the Alan Parsons Project. Nice. All right, all right. Uh, Mac, what do you have for that? I don't really have a parting shot other than Viva La Change. Let's <laughs> let's tear it all down, boys. Let's, all right. Let's... <laughs> And Boomer. Uh, well, I just wanted to uh, remind the Redcasters that uh, HBO Real Sports um, does have a little segment on the uh, Nebraska women's bowling team and the dynasty they've kind of created over the years. So if you do have the opportunity to check that out in a sport really? that, yeah, we really don't, doesn't quite get enough publicity for as good as they are. Although they do need to start getting back their arch nemesis, McKendry. It's two years in a row they've taken us out of the. Bowling championship, so uh, two but years yeah, in a row. two in a row. Michael, what is what is McKendry's mascot? What are they? McKendry? Oh, yes. God, are they like the Lions or something like that? So let me take a look. So. Maybe they should be the Bowlers because that's what yeah. muskrats, perhaps. I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, it's but, always it's always <laughs> bold to pick a rodent. <laughs> uh, their mascot is Bogey. I can tell you that much right now. Let's see. Bogey. Uh, the Bearcats. I knew it was a cat of some kind. Yeah, there the we Bear go. Cats, yes. Not the Lions, the Bearcats. Formidable. Yep. No doubt about it. Yeah, true, true. All right, guys. Uh, that was an enjoyable show. Uh, let's call that a Go Big Red Cast. Go Big Brood. Go Big Brood.